So over these last several weeks, and ready or not, we've been talking about the ways in which change just comes at us, right? It just flies at us. We see it every year. We see it sometimes every day, uh, depending on where we are. And our whole goal throughout this series was to sort of recognize, number one, hey, this is real. This just comes at us, ready or not, right? And then the other is we, we believe that we could glean and, and seek some wisdom from the book of Joshua, which is not a common book to seek wisdom from, right? I mean, the book of Joshua is tough. The book of Joshua is hard. And yet there are some powerful images there to guide us, and we've learned some of those, right? Some of those have been things like uh, we, we know that we can be strong and courageous because the Lord our God is with us, right, wherever we go. And we, knew, we learned a couple of weeks ago that we can rely on our allies, some of whom we would never recognize as allies, like a Rahab in our life, and that sometimes those Rahabs in our lives can guide us and encourage us and lift us up and help us out, and we need to, whenever we're facing change, to rely on these allies. And of course, last week we talked about how it is we can face the challenge of change because we can trust and know that God is with us and God is for us. And if we'll only have patience and obedience, God will get us to the promised land and will help us achieve those goals. Well, I don't know about you, but sometimes when I reflect on my life, when I reflect on uh, my work, when I reflect on my relationship with God, one of my sort of ideals I I'm sure is very similar to yours. When I think about relationships or family or church or faith, what I'm looking for always is, like the graph on the screen, this upward and to the right trend, right? I just, I want everything to go right, and I want everything to go up, and I want everything to work out, and I want things to be nice and pleasant and good and right, right? And all of us sort of dream this and vision this, and, and of course, it's that way every single day for you, just like it is for me, right? Oh, it's not that way for you? You got the peaks and the valleys? You, you got the ups and the downs? Yeah, that's the way it is, isn't it? Because that's the way life is. And sometimes we simply need to recognize that that's real and true. Even though we've got a great desire and even though we've got a hope, we need to continue to recognize that the reality of life is sometimes life doesn't go the way we had planned or intended, right? And sometimes we might call those failures or setbacks or roadblocks, these, these things that can sometimes get in the way, these things that sometimes cause us to pause because we weren't expecting them and we didn't realize they were going to happen. And, and that is a form of change as well, right? That we had all these plans and we had all these goals that we assumed life would go just the way we wanted. And every once in a while, we get kind of slapped in the face. Or, or we get a setback that says, you're not doing that today. You're not going there today, right? Every once in a while we get these, and it's why we wanted to seek some wisdom from Joshua, because Joshua continues to guide us in an understanding that God can help us even when we get set back, even when we get kicked down, even when we might feel like we're a failure. And so much like we've discovered in the other chapters of the book of Joshua today, we're going to find ourselves in the seventh chapter, uh, and we're going to find some great insight from Joshua who has his own failure, and who recognizes God is with him, and who I believe can help guide us as we continue to move uh, into the future. So I want to encourage you to uh, hear now, we're in chapter 7, remember, Jericho's walls have come down, we've, we've, uh, we've uh, accomplished that great task, and now it's time to get into the promised land, and, and, and they're going to do everything they're commanded to do, except, except one guy, he's not going to do the right thing, and he's going to set everybody else back. Here's how the story begins in chapter 7. But Israel violated the instructions about the things set apart for the Lord. 
A man named Achan had stolen some of these dedicated things, so the Lord was angry with the Israelites. Don't you hate it when one guy just screws it up for everybody else? I mean, he just, you know, everybody else seems to be doing everything right, but Achan has done clearly a wrong thing, and it's going to have impact on the greater community. Verse 2, Joshua sent some of his men from Jericho to spy out the town of Ai, east of Bethel, near Bethaven. When they returned, they told Joshua, there's no need for all of us to go up there. It won't take more than two or 3,000 men to attack Ai. They're, they're getting a bit cocky, right? They're getting a bit overconfident. Since there are so few of them, don't make all our people struggle to go up there. So approximately 3,000 warriors were sent, but they were soundly defeated. The men of Ai chased the Israelites from the town gate as far as the quarries, and they killed about 36 who were retreating down the slope. The Israelites were paralyzed with fear at this turn of events, and their courage melted away. Haven't you ever had one of these moments where what you thought was going to work didn't work, when you thought, golly, I had everything in place, and I knew it would take shape just as I'd planned and organized, and, and then it didn't? And when we have these failures and when we have these setbacks and when we have these roadblocks that we had not prepared for or had not planned for, it really kicks us in the pants, doesn't it? And the Scripture literally says that their, their courage melted away because they were not prepared for this and they had not planned for this and, and they had a setback and it had devastating consequences. 36 people are killed. They're not able initially to go forward. They cannot do what they need to do. I don't know about you, but I've had those days. I've had those experiences. For some of us, it was in our work life, and we, we had a project or we had a circumstance that clearly was not going the way we'd wanted, and it, it literally set us back days or weeks or months even in terms of what we knew we were supposed to be doing. Or, or for some of us, it's in our family life, and, and we have this, uh, this struggle going on that we had not planned for or certainly didn't desire, and I can certainly attest to you that I've got two or three or 10 or 20 of those events in my own family, right, where it didn't go as I had planned, and, and I really got set back in terms of that. For some of us, it might even be in our faith life where we're struggling to connect with God in prayer. We, we, we don't feel as though we're experiencing anything in worship or, or it feels as though God's not responding to us, right? We've got these peaks and valleys and it can feel devastating, stifling, overwhelming. And it can help us to somehow feel as though we can't move forward and we don't know what to do. And I know I've experienced that many times. I reflect back years ago in my very first church when I was a youth director in 1987. And I'm, I've got 25, 30 kids coming to the youth program and we're having lots of fun and I'm all excited because we're going to plan my, what would be my very first youth ski trip. And we're going to go have fun and go down those slopes, and man, we're going to enjoy God's creation, and we're going to have devotionals, and we're going to grow in our faith, and we're going to have lots of fun. And man, I'd planned it all out. I'd organized it all out. I'd recruited the adults. I'd, I'd uh, paid the deposit to the, the group uh, organizing the trip. And then I didn't get enough kids to go. The trip couldn't make. And I was devastated on a couple of levels. One was, I, I, I'm a planner, I'm an organizer, and by golly, it didn't plan well. It didn't organize. It didn't, it didn't go the way I'd hoped. And then, oh, by the way, there was that $500 deposit that in 1987 was a lot of money, at least it felt like it. 
And I went sort of hat in hand to my senior pastor, and I said, Charles, I'm so sorry. This, I, I paid a $500 deposit. I, I don't have enough kids to go. The trip won't make. And I, do I need to pay this back? How, how, do, how does this need to work? I, don't, I, I can't afford that, but I don't know what to do. And I literally was embarrassed and, and disappointed and, and didn't know how to move forward. And I thought, there's no way to start a youth ministry, right? And Charles, in all of his graciousness, just said, Daniel, we're going to use that as a life lesson, aren't we? We're going we're to use that as a way to recognize how you can plan better. Fortunately, the church can handle this. Don't really want it, but we can make this work. And so Charles helped restore my confidence. But we've all had those experiences, haven't we, in family or faith or in work where it felt like it was the end of the world. It felt like it was the worst failure we've ever had. It felt like it was the biggest setback that would ever cause us a problem, right? I feel confident that that's the way Joshua and the Israelites felt, that they didn't know what to do. They thought they had everything worked out, and now they are not only defeated, but 36 of their men are dead, and, and I'm sure there's shame hanging over all of them. And Joshua responded the way many of us respond when we have this kind of disappointment, when we have this kind of setback or failure. Listen to what Joshua says, beginning in verse 6 of chapter 7. So Joshua and the elders of Israel tore their clothing in dismay. They threw dust on their heads and bowed their face down to the ground before the ark of the Lord until evening. Then Joshua cried out, O oh, sovereign Lord, why did you bring us across the Jordan if you were only going to let the Amorites kill us? If only we had been content to stay on the other side. Remember, we heard this in chapter 1, and we heard this in chapter 4, and we heard this back in Exodus, right? This, this common response. Lord, what can I say now that Israel has fled from its enemies? For when the Canaanites and all the other people living in the land hear about it, they will surround us and wipe our name off the face of the earth. And then what will happen to the honor of your great name? It's a typical response, isn't it? I don't know about you, but when I feel like I've failed, when I have this setback that I wasn't prepared for, I, I instantly sort of enter into a form of grief. That is to say, I get angry. I get depressed. I, I don't know what to do, and what I thought was going to happen is not going to happen, and I've got to retool, and I've got to rework, and I've got to make something different happen, right? And so I, I enter into a form of grief, and then as I move through the grief a little bit, what I instantly move into is blame. <laughs> Who can I blame? Somebody clearly did something wrong. And maybe it was God. Maybe God didn't know what God was doing. And maybe God didn't want this to happen. Or, or maybe I didn't understand what God desired. And, and so I can begin to cast stuff off on God. And I can begin to get really uh, upset with God and all the things of, of what God is doing. And I, I realize that I need help. And I don't know where to find it. And I've lost the sense of my faith. And I'm not 100% clear where I need to turn. Have you ever been there and you can we can identify every person sometimes even ourselves about what went wrong and how it wasn't going right and how this caused all the turmoil and and there's heartache and there's despair and there's a sense in which I don't understand why why God why and how am I going to get beyond this place and I just need you to hear this friends this is normal. This is all right. As long as we don't stay here. 
as long as we don't waller in it, as long as we don't find this as our final resting place, right? As long as we realize there's more to come. And God really can pull us out of the quagmire. But we need to recognize there's no shame in asking the question, and there's no shame with the anger rising, and there's no shame with the sort of depressive sense, as long as we know that it's not the resting place. We've got a young man in the life of this congregation who had every right, every right to be depressed and angry, every right to feel as though God had abandoned him, every right to feel as though nothing would work well at all. Some of you may know him. His name is Jackson Blanton, and he's a member of our church. He's 16 years old, and Jackson, about four years ago, had a diagnosis that his heart was failing and that he would need a new heart. And so he was told, we're going to one day crack your chest open and we're going to rip your heart out and we're going to place a new one in there. As long as somebody can give you theirs. And you just need to know that. I'd love to invite uh, Jackson up this morning because I want to ask Jackson a few questions. I bet you've got a few questions of Jackson and, and I'd love for him to tell his story. Would you welcome Jackson up this morning? Thank you, Jackson. Jackson is 16, as I mentioned. He's got his driver's license now. You're driving everywhere, right? Yes, all the time, everywhere. Way to go, way to go. And fear and trembling, everyone, right? No, just kidding. So Jackson got this word. I think you said, when did you, when did you get your initial diagnosis? So um, in my sixth grade year, um, I was 12 years old, and um, I uh, woke up, went to school one morning. Everything was fine. And uh, at the end of the day, uh, doctors were telling me that I would need a heart transplant. Um, and so um, it was, it was life-altering mm. for me because I was on the swim team, I was in select baseball, I was, you know, any guy that age is running around all the time, right. going on bike rides, and um, I was told that I couldn't do any of that. Yeah. Um, but uh, a week later, um, I did a, a test called cardiac catheterization, mm -hmm. and um, I just remember everyone reaching out, saying that they were praying for me, so many people here at this church and um, um, all around, and uh, it, doctors were surprised when I didn't immediately need a heart transplant. <laughs> yeah. And so they um, instead gave me a pacemaker, and I lived with that for three years. And uh, this most recent September, um, I was finally able to um, find a donor and have a heart transplant. And I've yeah. been doing great since pretty, then. Pretty amazing story, right? Here's a kid, 12 years old. Yeah. 12 years old and told you can't do the activities that you love as a kid, right? Baseball or soccer or whatever. I know you're uh, very active in drama as well. And, and uh, I can't even imagine what's going through his head, what thoughts, uh, mom and dad, sister, uh, grandma and grandpa, right? Uh, all kinds of stuff. And so change, right? You hadn't expected this. I'm sure it felt somewhat like a deep setback or a massive roadblock, uh, not a failure in terms of life, but certainly perhaps a failure of your body, right? Just the sense in which your body is not doing uh, what you had hoped or expected it to do. So talk to us a little bit, uh, Jackson, about how it is you um, processed this roadblock, this setback. How'd you deal with it? So um, initially it was very upsetting because it was just so shocking and so um, such a big deal. Mm -hmm. um, but um, 
something that that really helped me was reaching out to other people mm. and and being around people yeah um and um just feeling love from other people uh, was what kept me looking at the bright side and, and saying that, you know, God has a plan for me and there's a reason that I'm going through this. Okay, yeah. So would you say that over these four years or so that your faith has changed in any way? I would say the thing that has, a, um, the way that my faith has changed the most is that um, now, whenever I, I think of God or I pray, I see him much, much more personally, much more like a father, because um, I've seen prayers be answered in real time um, in my life, and um, it, it just brings me hope to know that he is there and he, he is watching me and listening to my prayers. And kudos, brother, because sometimes that's hard, right? when we're going through a difficult circumstance that's literally life-transforming and going to change everything about who you are. So I know you to be a, a young man of deep faith. I know your family as well. Was there ever a time where you thought to yourself, I'm not sure and I don't know that God maybe, you know, has this plan or has this thing working out? I mean, definitely. Um, several times I would have, you know, fluctuations and some number on a test wouldn't be right. Mm -hmm. um, and um, this uh, September, I was in my second week back to school, and I had been doing fine for three years, and um, suddenly I just took a turn for the worst and couldn't even walk down the hall without becoming so mm. out of breath and, and um, just upset. And um, I remember being so angry because mm. I had to be ambulanced out of school, and I had to stay in the hospital, and I, I just kept thinking, like, why now? Why this time? Yeah. And um, it, it, it was very, very challenging to be away from all my friends and people couldn't see me and couldn't visit me and I was missing out on things. But um, after, afterwards, after, my, I, after we found a donor and after my surgery, I, um, I had the fastest discharge mm -hmm. um, at the hospital, um, and now I'm back in school and I'm doing exceptionally well. So yeah. um, it always, uh, God's plan is always works out in the end. Wow, thank you, Jackson, for sharing this. So, so here's a life story that is a massive setback, right? A massive roadblock that uh, is life changing. You have sort of highs and lows, you have this faith that claims for you that God's got something better for you, that God's got something in store for you. You have a, a faith that claims that you can have a more personal prayer with God and relate more clearly with God. Is there anything else you might want this group of people to know about either your faith or how you have moved through this very difficult time? Um, I think the only other thing I could say is um, in, in Luke chapter 5, um, a paralyzed man is brought to Jesus um, by his friends bringing him through the roof. And Jesus says, by their faith, he is forgiven of his sins mm. and is healed. And so um, I just want to thank everyone, and there's probably a lot of you guys, who prayed for me and um, had me in your thoughts because, you know, it really does affect and it really does help. So thank Praise you Praise God. Would you thank uh, Jackson for sharing his story? Thank you, Jackson. Appreciate it. Good job. 
So Jackson told me on the side that, you know, for a C note, he'll be happy to show you his scar. <laughs> that's not true. That's not true. So don't be showing that later, okay? But an amazing story, right? Here is a young man, 12 years old, gets this word, 16, gets a new heart, and is moving through this setback, a setback that could literally kick him down. And he's chosen by faith to live into it as best he can, knowing that there are still hard times and there are still challenges and there are still ways that aren't always going to go just as we thought. So Joshua begins to teach us this powerful lesson that things don't always go the way we want or plan, and the setback can be overcome. That sometimes when things look really bleak, that God is for us and God is with us. And we begin to get an ultimate picture from God in Joshua uh, that is a bit of a challenge and yet a word of strength and hope. And so I want to finish these couple of verses in chapter 7. But the Lord said to Joshua, get up. <laughs> Why are you lying on your face like this? Israel has sinned and broken my covenant. They have stolen some of the things that I commanded must be set apart for me. And they have not only stolen them, but have lied about it and hidden the things among their own belongings. That is why the Israelites are running from their enemies in defeat. For now, Israel itself has been set apart for destruction. I will not remain with you any longer unless you destroy the things among you that were set apart for destruction. Get up. Command the people to purify themselves in the preparation for tomorrow. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says, hidden among you, O Israel, are the things set apart for the Lord. You will never defeat your enemies until you remove these things from among you. And it seems to me that we're going to hear two very clear words from Joshua through God this day. One is this, get up. Get up. Yes, you've been kicked down. Yes, you've been uh, torn apart. Yes, you're having a difficulty. Yes, this is hard. But I'm with you. Get up. I will help you. I will be with you. Remember, be strong and courageous, for the Lord your God will go with you wherever you go. Get up. This is not the end of the world. This is not the last hurrah. This is not the end of the line. Yes, does it feel like failure? Yes, does it feel like I can't go forward? Yes, is this a hard situation? Yes, but get up. God will go before us. Our failures are not an end unless we let them be. Our setbacks are not an end unless we allow them to be. God is with us. Let's get up. The second word that Joshua hears from God is, man, let's get back on track. Let, let's claim what it is God has in store for us. Let's, let's do what is right. You've discovered there's one among you named Achan who did the wrong thing, and he saw the stuff, and he kept it, and he, he wanted it for himself. Get rid of it. Purge it. Purge him. Purge them. If you read the rest of the story, it's pretty harsh. They stone him. They burn him. They bury him. I'm not advocating but what I am advocating is to purge our lives of those things that separate us from knowing God, that prevent us from understanding that God has a way 
that God desires this relationship, that God wants this to work, and far too often we have got hung up on images in our lives or circumstances in our lives or behaviors in our lives that we thought were life-giving, but they're not. And we've gotten hung up on believing in certain circumstances or following certain ways or doing things in our lives that are not of God, and we didn't intend to go astray, and we didn't desire to go astray, but we let ourselves go astray, and God simply says, let's get back. Let's pull it together, and let's commit to the things of God. And this can be difficult, and yet God will always reward those who are obedient. Paul would write about this several times to several of the churches. In, in Corinth, he would say, uh, put away your childish things. To the church at Ephesus, he would say, uh, no longer do the former things. When he wrote to the church at Colossae, he would say it this way in chapter 3, uh, beginning in verse 9, he would say, don't lie to each other. You have left your old sinful life and the things you did before. You have begun to live a new life in which you are being made new and are becoming like the one who made you. This new life brings you to the true knowledge of God. And the part I want to suggest is Joshua's reminding us that there are things of much greater value in this world than those things we put a value on. And it starts with a relationship with God. And it gets nurtured and developed by the Holy Spirit. And it finds its fullness and its joy in a relationship with Jesus. And Joshua is simply reminding us, put away the former things and focus on what is real and true, right and good, and it will go well. Maybe not as you hoped, maybe not as you planned, maybe not as you expected, but God is there, and God is for you, and you will be able to overcome. What a powerful gift this is. I'm so very thankful for Joshua because he teaches us the powerful lessons that we might not always see or know, and he helps us to claim them in a rich relationship with our God. And so, friends, when you get kicked down, get up. When you get set back, stand up. And when you realize that there are things more valuable than others, know that it's this relationship with God that can make all the difference in the world. I'm grateful. But ready or not, change is coming. And ready we are to take it on. Will you pray with me? Holy and loving God, thank you for the gift of your son Jesus. Thank you for the way that Joshua guides and leads us in a way forward. Help us, Lord, this day and the next to take courage and to know that you're with us and for us, that you can help us to move forward and um, move more closely in a relationship with you. God, sometimes that's hard, but what we know is that you love us, that you want the best for us, and that you desire to help us. May we trust that that's true, and may we follow you well this day and the next. Ready or not, God, here we come, and ready we are for who you are in our lives and in the world to come. God, this is our prayer. We lift it in the name of Jesus, whom we know to be the Christ. Amen.